that it's hundreds of thousands, if not like millions of lifetimes that it takes. Oh wait, your point is that it's, we, in this iteration of man, it's been 300,000 years and the Hindus think it takes about that many reincarnations. 300,000. That's to, a number that they've kind of thrown around. I, I think it might be more than that. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's why things are accelerating and changing so much. There's a lot of people that are hip to it, hip that to are it. going for that it, that are going for it, trying to you know trying open, to, up open up their minds, open up their minds, their minds, open up their minds, their minds, open up their minds. I love that it took us so long. <laughs> well, wait a minute. It wouldn't be 300,000 lifetimes. We live for about 100 years, so 300,000 divided by 100 is 3,000. So there's, like, not even really been that... There's not even been enough time... No, it's more than 3,000. 3,000 3, times, times 100, 100 is 300,000. What? It's only been 3,000 lifetimes? It's been, like, 3,000 generations. This is <laughs> why I'm kind of, like... Yeah. I'm not so sure about that number, but that's what I heard that it was. Dude, that's nothing. It doesn't seem like we've even been here that long. No, we haven't. Right? And yet 300,000 years sounds so gargantuan compared to 2,000 years. And we really can't think past the 2,000-year thing with Christ. Like, it's hard for us to really think about... 5,000 years ago what was going on it, most people can't really wrap their minds around even 2,000 years it it's hard me, even 2,000 years mind around 200 years of, it, of it American history I feel better that I can't wrap my mind around all the things I need to make my life flow right like all just like the priorities and getting this done and getting that done so that this fits here and that this is taken care of and it's just like like getting just your life in a grip so of, that you're like okay this is appropriate and happening many, of how many minutes you have in a day and how to navigate them all yeah and like yeah. having that set for like um, having your week planned out and then your month and your years and then like having all your finances in check and your health in check and you got your food properly laid out and your relationships are going well and you've given attention to this and like you know what's happening here like the whole kind of scope of that problem a lot of times gets like i don't even see all the edges to it i just end up just sort of you've barreling just, through you've just described all the attachments that keeps the consciousness from unfurling into full awareness yeah, and ultimately what I'm seeking is awareness. Like my problem that I come to at the end of that, I'm like, I wish I could just be clear. If I could just think a little bit clearer, then I could see all these connection points. But in trying to is get you're it... trying to hold together what you see as important and what you see as supplying the happiness in your life and the safety and the comfort in your life that I would say is pretty much creating like a boundary line that your awareness can't move past. Uh-oh. <laughs> when you're kind of going through your day and you're thinking about, okay, what do I have to do for my finances? What do I have to do for my sexual relations? What do I have to do 
to maintain relationships with my family? What do I have to do? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Very limiting. Creates a boundary line that your consciousness can't get past. Yeah. When really it's a conscious, a high conscious state is the thing that could take it all in. A high conscious state could see it all and it would be so simple. We have moments of reprieve where we feel that we've met all of our responsibilities and then we give ourselves a window of a number of hours. Yes, the reprieve of having met responsibilities. <laughs> yes, that deep relaxation. Yes. This is why people subtly, like, subtly get jealous of hellbo- hobos and kind of get angry at them because they're like, they're just fucking there all the time. <laughs> Do you think that's a thing that people do is that a common phenomenon amongst like the normies do they look at hobos and get there's like some small pizza slice of them that's jealous i think so jealous of them being so free and like relaxed so free of responsibility (laughs) right right yeah i remember a story of like somebody's going to work and it's like early morning and they just come out of like getting coffee or whatever they're like going to their office job and there's a guy that's been up for days on meth at this stop sign just shirt off sunrise just pouring oil all over himself <laughs> <laughs> some like cooking oil or something like, yeah <laughs> it's like, like just totally creasing themselves up in the sun and that was their reaction like a little bit jealous that they're not going to work <laughs> yeah <laughs> like who do you fucking like, think you are just oiling yourself up that <laughs> sounds like such a torturous existence <laughs> whatever that person's going through I don't want to be <laughs> which one the one oiling or the one going to the neither job? right <laughs> neither. it's like <laughs> both it's like what was that thing about the oil to get through the 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 camel hole the oil 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 it up that you have to dive down to the bottom of the ocean in order to find the pearl that's at the bottom of the ocean but you can't get wet while you do it so you have to cover yourself in oil in order to get through the water that's one of the stipulations of going to the bottom of the ocean is you can't get wet? It's a metaphor for what we're dealing with being in the physical form because we're completely immersed in the physical, but you have to learn to be in this ocean of illusion without being touched by it, without being affected by it, without allowing the draws and allures of Maya to affect you. So it's a a metaphor for how to transverse or get a grip on the 3,000 lifetimes that you've lived so far. It's a a metaphor of how to get a grip on where you are right now. Maybe you'll get some clarity on those 3,000 lifetimes before if you could at some point touch the pearl. I don't know. But you can't get to the pearl as long as the waves of the ocean are still batting you around. I like that people like pearls. They're, they're kind of bluff. <laughs> There's some TikTok channel that comes up like it's a live feed. It's always a live feed and they're just opening up oysters and the pearls are spilling out of them. <laughs> and they're squeezing them out and like collecting all these pearls. Someone's got a freaking pearl operation and they live TikTok their pearl extraction. 
and you can tune in at any point. I don't know. What's going to happen with the internet when all of our sensations, <coughs> excuse me, are available for us at any point? Like, we just what bridged. is the oil slick going to be at that? We, we just bridged the TikTok theme. <coughs> I There's, like that you have to cover yourself in oil to get a thing that's iridescent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that um, there's a farmer who figured out that his cows who are kept indoors during the cold of winter and they're all like smashed into some big, you know, oversized like industrial warehouse kind of a thing so that he can keep milking them even though it's cold. He figured out that if he puts a VR headset on the cow so that it looks to the cow like it's in a green field with sunshine, that it gives like 30% more milk than another cow that doesn't have the VR headset. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. I saw a picture of this, of the cow in the VR, and it, that was one of like... You saw that? Yeah, and it made me feel like animal cruelty so upset because the cow like i hate having vr headsets on for longer than like three minutes have you even experienced it yeah yeah i have not experienced a vr headset for like 15 years when i was at the boardwalk and they had some kind of like virtual reality game that you got into dude okay well let me tell you it's pretty cool but you're gonna want to take it off and this cow can't take it off. I mean, yeah. I guess they could start ramming their heads. Maybe it's possible that they could get it off. I wonder if they even know what's going on. It's amazing to oh, me they that they're know, actually dude. producing more milk. It just <laughs> seems like they wouldn't do that to the cow. But I guess it does do that to the cow. <laughs> it's better than being in the confines of its of a warehouse like smashed in with a bunch of other cows because what is that reality then like what is its base that it's working with you've seen those videos of cows like frolicking they're pretty fucking sentient and they like they frolic yeah they They are frolic cows are one of those special critters that can potentially reincarnate into a human are they yeah Oh, that's right. We had 300,000 lives as humans, but before that, we had all the lives as all the other animals. Dinosaurs and rocks and trees. How many of us on the planet right now have have been here for the whole human thing, and how many that's are coming Probably in? Probably most of us. Probably most of us? Yeah. Because where else would we come from? Well, the thing is, the reason... People say that reincarnation doesn't add up because where's this? where are all these extra humans coming from? But the thing is, so many animals are dying. There's not nearly as many animals as there used to be. And I think a lot of it is because they're reincarnating as humans. <laughs> this is such a, a perfect, like, pro-extinction thing. <laughs> right? Like, I'm not saying I'm pro-extinction, but... But fuck the white rhino. (laughs) White rhino. The white rhino. Well, I mean, whatever, dude. They're gone. There's now a fucking, a couple more people that get to watch daytime TV. Even Baba says that there's a lot of, like, alien energy. There's, There's spirits from other planets and solar systems that want to reincarnate on Earth because Earth is the prime spot. So... Those beings could potentially reincarnate right into human form. There may be some amount of that happening as well. But a big part of 
where are all these humans coming from is because animals are dying off yeah you're i mean maybe we will get to a point where we don't need that many animals and there's just a bunch of humans i don't know what that greater cycle looks like because in my mind when i think about history what and, the greater cycle looks like yeah what the greater cycle yeah, looks like yeah. i don't i can't claim to have any real understanding of that but it saddens me to think about a world that was so many humans and so few animals when you think about what the native american people were seeing this is two percent of the frogs dude like there were so many more animals here before we came and made them all like go extinct because we were just shooting them all in mass and, so be interacting with and that destroying their environments creatures too yeah like to be fully interacting flocks with of birds that would practically blacken the sky when they all took off at the same time just like the city sounds that loud foxes, to us foxes and bears and just so many critters that would be like roaming everywhere it wasn't it was like daily encounters that you would see animals like that mountain lions and just i mean this you know and it potentially maybe all those animals were dicks maybe they were selfish and greedy Oh, the fox would totally come in and steal your meat. What is that? What's your point? <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> I mean, that is why it happened, a, right? It was like, just like, hey, fuck these guys. Get them out of here. <laughs> like, it's so nice now. You're you patriotic to the human team. You're just like, no, no. Humans are better. Get rid of all the animals. <laughs> Maybe like, that's what it is. I don't I know. I don't know. I can't, Isn't I can't that what we all did? I, I think that's what we all did and what we all wanted. We don't want grizzly bears around. <laughs> like, we didn't want that. No, I, but the thing is, is that that was We like fear. some shitty deers. <laughs> They're not shitty deers. They're beautiful deers. <laughs> There's some. There's too many deers now. There's some shitty deers. Too around. many deers now. There's way fewer deers now than there used to be. <laughs> Even the deers you want to get rid of. Deer is like the most like gentle and beautiful and like sensitive critter that there is. Nah, I like deer. I'm just messing. I like if you start running like a deer, you are running like a 16 year old again. Deer don't run. They leap. They like they bound. Bounce. They bound. Yeah. It's the, the urge that the conquistadors or whoever it was who came and just started shooting all the big and scary animals, they were motivated by fear and they had invented a tool called the gun that made it so they didn't have to be quite as afraid, but you didn't always have a gun with you. So it was like your duty as a human to just kill anything that was maybe, you know, going to hurt someone who didn't have a gun. And it was fear. It was totally fear-driven. And it was... I it's, might it's be based... on the idea that within that 300,000 years, we didn't have a time where we were able to bond with the animals. That Are you we were me? able to get in we and did. have relationships. The whole Native American religion was totally animal-based. They were, like, worshipping the animals and the spirit of the animal and what that animal represented. They were belonged to clans where they had special connections with various animals like you were a bear person or you were a frog person 
analog resonance with an animal. Yeah. Then you get your power animal. It's like what you're vibing at at they, that point. They would go on their spirit quests and meet their power animals that were specific to them. Are the spirits of the animals still around and lingering in some sort of musk state? It's probably some retroactive connection that we have to the animals that we were before we became human. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if we I don't know yeah. if we reincarnate through every single animal form or if we kind of like leap through various ones until we get to the point that we're human. I don't, I don't know. And the thing is is God is all of us all at the same time and all throughout time. So, you know, reincarnation is probably a misnomer based on how people understand it because it's what all smashed all these together animals at once. Are still happening in some sort of field that we like it's here but we're not quite tuned into it. All of these all the like ghosts of all the animals. All these extinct animals are just like the great super beasts that have existed. This is why there's so many sheeple. <laughs> what? <laughs> the sheeple people? <laughs> And we're just fucking watching stupid shit on, no, cool shit on the internet. <laughs> it's all pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I like where the internet is going. I'm fucking team AI, dude. Like Bring it. us in. You're on the team AI. Dude, they're getting right into, like, emotions you didn't even know that you had. Are they? I think so. Well, yeah. Are they not just, like, getting better at manipulating the core emotions that we've always had? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It is just the court ones. I just didn't realize that I was that pervy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was that needy. <laughs> I want love. It's like a... <laughs> I want love. It's like a musician. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's like a musician who's learning to play an instrument yes it is and he can play the notes and eventually gets it, to where he can play all the chords yeah and then he uh, learns how to put the chords together in a way where suddenly audiences of people want to listen to him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is totally the internet but yeah now they're getting to where they can play all of humanity they yes. know how to play humans like they were an instrument we're such basic bitches too it seems like it should be so easy to get a grip on the human psyche and like what it is within 3,000 lifetimes to get what we are. The rules, there's like 12 rules. Just learn the inverse of those rules and you can manipulate whole civilizations. And the leaders were getting tired of having to do this manually, so now they've figured out how to have machines control humans. What if we're not tuning in to all these animals? Like, what is the psychic resonance that is left from the animals that have been here? The super mammals. The super mammals? Like, I'm just thinking huge bear. London sent us oh, that video of like, like extinct bigger, yeah. animals that the Romans interacted with. <laughs> right. I, I didn't like, watch all of that. I didn't get enough into it because I was like, I want to know the this. Sab the saber-toothed tiger? Yeah, it was like beyond the saber-tooth. Yeah. What other animals were in there? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm like, how do we tune in? Maybe things don't linger. Maybe things die and like the resonance right. field all, of it kind of goes the, off. I'm all just the been... cool animals that we're aware of that we've caused their extinction already and now they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I sometimes think I feel whales. You can like tune in with a seal. Like if you're at the beach, you're really like... in the Mahapalaya? How much longer do humans really have on this planet? <laughs> 
right? 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 Dude, the Canadian radio dialed me into the uh, the apocalypse. The apocalypse? Yeah. I yeah, mean, the dude. revelations. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's what's all coming. <laughs> what if there really is... Terrence McKenna novelty immersion at 2012? That, that happened. The, like, occurrence of novelty that it just burst and started quadrupling yeah, and dupling and dupling. You've, you've got that discipleship of, of that. You've got that, like, that devoutness s- of that belief. seems so... Like, it just seems like, oh, I mean, the internet is the novelty. Like, that is the novelty compressing on top of the novelty on top of the novelty. Like, we can, <laughs> we can go and look at religious texts that you used to have to s- sign on, like, a 30-year waiting list we and climb re- up a mountain. We can recombine any song with any other song ad infinitum. Anything of all knowledge, like the library of Li- library of Alexander, you can put out your thumb and sit on it compared to what you can get on the internet now. Hmm. And it's like, what is that doing to all of ourselves to be able to flick through scientist after scientist after great thinker and to see all of their information and have it continuously moving through you? amazing how the effect of that volume of information makes it difficult to determine what information is real and what is bogus do you think the books in the library of alexander were curated by those who had the ability to print books or yeah i'm books? really feeling a shame right now for saying the library of alexander can sit on its own thumb like no, I I'm mean talking it, shit about the library. Who the hell am I? It's just the. I mean, you look at the library in Ben Lomond. Like, it's the amount of information that's contained within that is definitely a drop in the bucket compared to the digital information that's available online. Yeah. And at the same time, though, it's not actually that easy to find all that information because there's not that many search engines, and what bubbles to the top is like a tiny fraction of what's out there. Yeah, the top film of it. Yeah. It is the top film, but as you go throughout your day, anything that comes up in your day, you can immediately go to. What What do you mean? Like uh, anything that you hear, like a professor or a thinker or a scientist, you can immediately look them up and get into what they've been yeah, digging a, and a preaching. Yeah, you that energy. Yeah, and it's like, then that energy starts coming up, pulsing through. And so it's like, what is going to happen? I mean, it's happening, that grid work of all these accessible points. It's kind of amazing how much information there is online, and yet there's still a huge body of proprietary information that's not there because you have to pay for it. Like, you can't just read every book online the books there's still a lot of books out there that you don't get to read unless you pay money to get that information uh yeah yeah or just listen to that song or whatever it is yeah you can see the cover though you can get a synopsis sure but that's not the same thing as having the library I've been reading the Bermuda Triangle book from the Ben Lohman library it's about like legends of the what is it the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> no, it's pretty... I mean... It's 
factual, I would say. Like, they're all ships that have been lost mm. starting in the 1940s. History of the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, they're just definitely conjecture and, like, ideas of what the anomalies could be. Yeah. Mostly it's ships that get lost and there's no trace of it. Yeah. That's what makes it different. And then it started, it, after World War II, they started losing planes. Yeah. Uh, and there's just, I don't know, it goes off. The wildest part, though, is that all the eels in the world, all the European eels in the rivers, swim down their rivers and their deltas, and all the American eels swim down their rivers and deltas and lakes and go to the Bermuda Triangle to fuck. What? Yeah. That's the real? That's the real eel deal. (laughs) (laughs) They all... Swim across oceans? Yes. Ocean faring? Yes, eels? the Sargosian Sea. I'm mispronouncing that, Sargosian. Uh huh. But it's a, a, a sea that's so still that seaweed grows in it. Like it's so tepid and calm. When Columbus came to it, he's like, oh, I think we've almost made it to a place. But his wary sailors were like slightly concerned. Because you're not anywhere. You're in the middle of the ocean. It's just so calm that seaweed has grown. It's like a nodal point in the ocean where there's not that much wave activity. Ships would get stuck. So you would have ships from... Because potentially there's no wind to blow you out of there it. There is no wind. There is no wind. Huh. And it goes down really, really deep. Is this supposedly where Atlantis is? I don't know. No. I don't know. I haven't gotten to that chapter. There is a chapter on Atlantis. It is coming up. Okay. (laughs) It's coming up. (laughs) I'll have to compare it to the Canadian theories of Atlantis because they're like Atlantis. They broke down their like Atlantis, um, Atlantic Ocean. There are synonyms for Satan. Like if you reverse the letters and move them around, you get Satan. So they're saying that Satan was the overlord having you worship the sun in Atlantis. Hmm. And that's where that, like, that's why it was punished with the asteroid. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, right. Wait, Ast- Atlantis went down with an asteroid? Yeah, that's, I mean, that was what Going back saying. to the Canadian conspiracy? <laughs> yeah, dude. Spaceman! <laughs> The thing that got me with that whole bit was the lineage of uh, was the lineage of Adam and Eve and then Cain and Abel and that there was this lizard Satan like within all of us and that <laughs> travels down through the history. Mm. It's like a twin. It's like our dark twin. A reptilian. When Columbus got to uh, the Bermuda Triangle, he noticed that there was a white light. And it was kind of like his first thing that he's seen of the new world. And his astronauts left the Earth. That was the last thing that they saw emitting from the Earth was the white light of the Bermuda Triangle. And nobody quite knows what it is. It's some sort of bioluminescence is what they're suspecting. But I think it's the thing, same thing that's attracting the eels from all around the world to sink down there. A lot of the ships, when they disappear, they keep sending radio transmissions after they've been gone. Like they maybe haven't crashed, but they just crossed over into some sort of other place. 
Have people taken submarines down there? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't gotten to that part. You would think that there'd be a lot of people exploring the bottom of the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, for wreckage. Right? But, supposedly they're not there. Hail the things that we don't know with our limited awareness. Hail the things we don't know with our limited awareness. Why? What? Hail them because they're open? Just like the mystery. Celebrate them rather than be frustrated by them. To maintain a potentially erroneous belief that eventually all that is unknown will become completely clear to us when we merge with infinite consciousness. Either that or those things will just become completely meaningless. Yeah, yeah. Like sex. (laughs) Far more trivial than global sex. (laughs) Far more trivial than global sex. I love the sound of the city behind this conversation. That's what's got me. The city's so loud and you don't hear, like, you, you don't hear, you hear the seals and you hear the frogs. I wonder if But the potential part. of all the other animals, like, roaring and growling and flapping and thumping. I wonder if that's part of the, like, ley line type powerful energy of this place. Like, you hear the whole city here. It has the same effect as that, like, camp at Poganip. Yeah, that's proof of a ley line. The amount of sound that you hear, because that means that the, the, the sound waves are reaching you. It is a place for waves to travel. So, I think it's called um, magnetite. Magnetite is a, it's like a, a stone that's highly magnetic. It's found in nature. But also, we produce fragments of it androgynously in our brain. The brain creates Tight. tiny Tight. magnetite crystals. Tight. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Speaking of ley lines, <clears throat> and it's also like <clears throat> coming to light that the heart. Did you learn this on TikTok? I did. You fucker! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking about the internet is reaching through. It's leveling us up. The reason why I'm kind of stumbling through my Canadian radio is because it's from 2007 and it's a radio broadcast. Yeah, yeah and I'm yeah. listening to a radio broadcast trying to get it. Yeah, right. That's not the same as a TikTok video. It's more precise, <laughs> like it's more precision, like it's getting into you quicker and better faster and easier and simpler it's simpler and more clear so you then have a more distinct way of being able to say it that you have your brain produces magnets yeah it like the brain has magnet magnetic antennas in the forms of tiny crystals of magnetite that are all throughout the brain like the brain is sensitive to magnetic fields and They've shown that various magnetic frequencies can produce very strong effects in humans, 
there's certain lower frequencies of magnetic vibrations that will make you like depressed and feel sick and like give you anxiety and um, uh, insomnia but higher vibrations of magnetic frequencies can relieve those same symptoms and even make people feel uplifted and they also are starting to learn at the forefront of science that the heart produces a large magnetic field mm. I don't understand mm. the science behind it there's something to do with like the the little electronic things that make your heart beat what is it called there's like little um, nodes on your heart that have electronic signals that fire from your nervous system that cause the heart's beating something about that with the actual beating and like the pumping of the blood i don't understand it if it's the iron in your blood moving through it or what it is but the the heart creates a large magnetic field that's much bigger than the body and br the brain is sensitive to it wow we can feel each other's hearts we can like consciously sense each other's hearts does my heart feel weaker this is a vaccine question. <laughs> Weaker than non-vaccinated people? Uh, that's the one vaccine thing that like got to me is that they were saying it had caused heart attacks for people, like the athletes. They were having abnormal amounts of heart attacks. Specifically athletes? Yeah, like people that are in good running heart shape. Okay. We're getting heart attacks. And it's just like, why is this happening? And they had all taking the vaccine yeah and i've been bad noticing idea. for the past bad idea <laughs> i've noticed like see the problem is it's only once i heard that so i'm like stop making my mind do it but i keep feeling my heart have like uh there's got to be like a timeline like a that, right? struggle like you're in the clear now right you've been feeling a heart struggle since you got the vaccine well, or do you I, think it's since you heard that about that's the, the thing that's what it's like since i heard it okay right but it feels like say, a strained muscle. You mean like an act? Oh, really? In my heart. Like, there's one part of it. I'm just like, uh, and I keep wanting to not want to, like, deep dip into that feeling of it. Because I'm like, I don't want to. But now I'm talking about it. Because I'm just like, dude, if I was, was going to Bill Gates this fucking thing, I'd go through and I'd start dampening people's hearts. That vaccine is doing so much crazy shit to... S did I show you the VARS site? Did I pull that up for you? No. Oh, God, man. you got to look at Open VARS. What's Open VARS? V open VARS? V-A-E-R-S. It's like a CDC-verified vaccine injury reporting system online. People who have negative reactions to a vaccine can go and report it. Oh, cool. It's like the Craigslist personal ad. <laughs> Just as far as, like, fun recreational reading. I don't know exactly the details of how the CDC, like, verifies that these are real cases, but supposedly it's pretty legit. There's the regular VARS that's, like, the VARS.something.gov. It's, like, a government website. I couldn't get that one to load. Like, I don't know if there was too much traffic on it, but that site just wouldn't load. But there's a one called Open VARS that's just reporting the same data that's on the government VARS. And... There's been 20,000 deaths caused from the COVID vaccine. I'm just spouting TikTok clips of Joe Rogan at this point. 
but I also went to the website and verified it for myself and I was appalled. There's like all these like, like heart attacks and like lifelong illnesses, um, permanently disabled. There's 30,000 people that have been permanently disabled from the COVID vaccine. What? What kind of disabled? I don't, it just said permanently disabled. I don't know exactly what that means. What does that mean? There was a bunch of like, just there's like so many different diseases and ailments and illnesses and things that are being caused by that vaccine. It's why don't they want people talking about this then? It's right online. Yeah, but if you talk about it, I'm pretty sure you get shut down. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There was some talk of somebody getting like removed from Twitter or something for saying because they were because I guess Twitter has a policy about like yeah that's some YouTube Twitter you have policies kind of where you can't say sort of nebulous against vaccines specifically yeah like you can't say vaccine misinformation right yeah there's like this war against anti-vaxxers yeah yeah but at the same time there's open vars which is government CDC verified and this is just the legit stats on there so I don't know if you're not allowed to then take that information and talk about it on social media or what but <laughs> it's all so fishy. If we're really living in the time when, like, all the conspiracies are coming to a fruition. Coming to light. Yeah. Yeah. Or we're just all making it happen with our minds. Okay. This we're is... just, like, letting it happen because it's what we're, like, running on. Like, me hurting my heart with my mind. This is what I wanted to touch on. This is my preconceived... Uh, bullshit that I wanted to podcast about that I was touching on as we were talking last night after our singing session. Conspiracy, right? Yeah. All that conspiracy means is that there's a group of people who are conspiring. If you're a conspiracy theorist, it means you believe that there's a group of people who are keeping secrets from the rest of us. And anybody who doesn't think that that's true is insane to me at this point. It's insane to not be a conspiracy theorist. Yes, yes. Because the people who are in charge, the people who have power, the one percenters, which like, how can you say there's not one percenters at this point? Maybe you just don't think that those people are all talking to each other or that they hang out or that they collude to make things happen in the world. But you know they do because who are they going to marry? How foolish do you have to be to think that those one percenters don't hang out together and talk to each other in secret rooms? Who are you going to party with? You're going to party with somebody else that has that what same dope house. What are you going to do house? with all that power? You really think they're just buying endless amounts of mansions and yachts? No. Yachts would get so trivial. <laughs> yachts and mansions. Okay. A mansion? My God, a mansion would get so boring at that level. My next TikTok drop, have you heard of the clock that... Bezos is making in some mountain in Arizona he's making like a I forget how many years but like 5,000 year clock or something that has like a different chime that's going to go off like every year he's put like 40 million dollars or something into building this like crazy massive mechanical clock that he's made himself a legacy clock he's making some kind of legacy clock that's like in the scope of the pyramid yeah dude it's like fuck yeah that's a boss move. Some he like it's like a giant mountain that they've excavated, and they're building this clock inside of this mountain, and it, and the energy of the mountain somehow powers the clock, and it will go for five thousand years. 
or something like that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Is it, what kind of time is it telling <clears throat> I'm sure it's Gregorian time. I don't know exactly Wait, what just some bullshit, time like, time? No, and it also was, like, charting, like, the movement of the stars and stuff. I'd have to look up all the things that this clock is doing. But Bezos is pouring resources into some kind of legacy clock. <laughs> I feel that. Very, that seems right. Very reminiscent of what the pyramids were doing. Do you ever worry that you're getting, uh, like, soft programmed by communist Chinese government by interacting with the TikTok? <clears throat> Lied to? It depends on how legit the videos look. I'm like, I flipped through tons of bullshit in that. I'm like, oh, this is fake. Skip it. This is fake. Skip it. But some things happen. I'm like, oh, I believe this. I would talk about this tomorrow. The Chinese government has regulations on their TikTok. Yeah. They, they shut it off at like 8 or 10 at night for kids. Yeah. So that they're not on <clears throat> all the time. But only for kids. And they keep up their science and math videos. Right. Yeah, I've heard Way about this. more. Yeah. Like, it's the thing that's set out to purposely dumb down and soft power us. I have to be careful about how I interact with my TikTok. I can't just, like, watch everything. How many hot chicks do you got on there? I usually skip the hot chicks. Why? Because I'm just going to get horny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so enlightened. <laughs> Not really. Sometimes even though I'm viciously trying to skip through them, it still happens. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> viciously trying to not get horny. <laughs> What's up with that move of them just being hot on TikTok? Like, is that just a power grab or it's like, what is that? I can't answer that question. Like, I don't know. Like, why would you do that? Except for accumulating because power and status. Desperate for, yeah, power and status and fame and views. And this is what you have. This is, it's like being, it's like the digital version of a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of whores. What's interesting to me is... It's so lovely. It's the AI is removable from the persona of that beautiful woman. Because say you have a beautiful woman who's doing something really cool and talented, but you can't take away the fact that all these dudes are going to see them as a sexual object. That's why the gods came down and laid with the earth women. They're that lovely. They're, that lovely. They're quite lovely. They're quite lovely. I don't know, I feel like I've already talked about this on the podcast, but I want to say it again. There's the twin Asian women who are gorgeous and they do these trick shots, like, and they have so many videos of them doing these amazing things where they're like, I don't know, you know, like throwing a piece of bread across the room and it lands in the toaster on the other side of the room. And there's two of them, and they time it out so they both have to be a part of this thing. So it's like they both have to do their part of it perfectly. And there's like six different trick shots that they make in every video. And they have so many videos of them doing these outstandingly phenomenally and these outstanding... But you can't remove it from the fact that it's two beautiful babes and that they put on cute outfits for every shot. Why would you remove it from that? That's part I don't know, of what but makes it's like, it awesome. What percentage of it is it? And do they care? Do they know that they're sex objects? Do they know that I, the I, twenty thousand? I don't 000... like this term "sex object." It's like it's not a 
object. It's it's they it's are like that What's energy. What's the difference between a form and an object? It's an I guess it's an energy too, but anyway, What's like the do they do they a form like and that? an object? <clears throat> yes, dude. Yeah, yeah. What is the difference between a form and an object? I don't think there's much difference. It's like an their body is an artistic representation of their spirit. But it's also skewed because a leper in an ugly cage is still a beautiful spirit. Just because someone is obese, it doesn't mean that there's something gross about their spirit or their soul. The soul is always beautiful, but sometimes it ends up taking the form of something beautiful. And the weird thing is, a lot of times beautiful people are the most, like, dangerous, potentially demonic souls. Whoa. Soul just wants it like a good cover or what? Just because someone's beautiful on the outside does not mean they're beautiful on the inside. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, but I just like... It's like I see those two beautiful Asian twins doing their amazing trick shots, but I also notice that they're putting on cute outfits to do them. And it's like, which energy do they want? They clearly want both. I guess, but they just want recognition for like how phenomenally talented they are, or do they also totally jiving on the fact that they're gorgeous? They're making something entertaining. I guess they're just both. They're a holistic. They're a holistic. They're being natural. They're being natural. 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 getting cold. Yeah, I noticed that you might be getting cold. I have more layers than you do. Should we call it? That's not the most prime topic to end on the Asian twins who do trick shots. <laughs> but maybe that's the end of this one. Or you can cut it before that. I felt scattered this one. Like I couldn't like drop in. Right. I've had this feeling before where like it, we where had a lot of themes that kept coming up again and again. I know I thought it was good. I, I, I was resisting it, and then I was like, you know what? Fucking DJ Minnie's lit right now, and it's like he's in in it. Stop trying to like resist and like figure out what's going on and just start just enjoying hanging out and being amongst the grass and stuff. I've been in a good space the last few days. It's been fun playing Pokemon with Bay. Bay's so into Pokemon right now. Yeah. And he just like knows all these Pokemon names and forms that he jumps between and immediately dives into the character of that Pokemon or like somehow like evokes the energy of that Pokemon with his body and his play. I don't know that many different Pokemon, but I'll try to pull up I'll a couple that I do know and that I do the same thing, like, like, pretending to be Bulbasaur or whatever. That's fun. It's fun. It's really fun. That's the answer to my how do we interact with all the extinct animals. 
and it's probably what they were doing while they were around is invoking the animals invoking characteristics, the animals characteristics in their play in and action I notice that the imbibing of a tall beer makes me jones for some more like low grade food like oh now I want coffee, coffee late at night, night or night, chocolate or chocolate or some gummies or something gummies like, or something I would let myself I would let that right now that right now would kind of oh, pass over yeah. that yeah 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 grime I'm likes like, to oh, grime give me more buzz yeah I don't know if I would what else yeah I feel that what were you going to say? I don't know if you would drink coffee. I probably would drink a cup of coffee right now. <laughs> you want to do it? Okay. You don't have to work tomorrow. I don't have to work tomorrow. Yeah, those are like kind of... I mean, I'm... In scattered. Yeah, no, I, I should go. Phoenix, bum trips, bullshit. That was the end of the podcast. This is the start. We've just had a long day chainsawing a fallen olive tree and swimming in kelp beds, talking to a Christian in the ocean about apocalyptical states while the whole time listening to Canadian conspiracy radio. Spaceman, spaceman, spaceman. Now I'm hanging out with DJ Minnie in some grass listening to frogs. You're not recording our singing, are you? Yeah. I you am. are? Yeah. Well, I didn't have to do Yeah. Well, I didn't have to do that. It's Friday, after work, with a beer, hanging with a friend. Yo. Dos Caronas. Dos Caronas. Dude, I listened to more of that uh, Canadian conspiracy radio. <laughs> yeah. I, I went pretty far into it. It got to a point where he was saying that the sun is Satan. He uh-huh. was saying that, I was thinking that because of Corona, and he was, uh, that the pagan worship of the sun that the devil had he quoted like a bible section where god was throwing the devil out and then that was what was happening in atlantis is that the devil was running the show and had everybody worshiping the sun in atlantis in atlantis and now from pagan so that onward was, so the the karmic result of their fate was to end up under the sea because <laughs> they were so into the sun they ended up under the water uh, yeah, yeah. He was saying anybody that takes the white light inside of them, takes the white light and moves it through them is actually worshipping the devil. It just got me, I'm just bringing it up because it made me feel twisted and just like, <laughs> that you really have to be careful what your narrative is. 
Mm. And to don't believe the hype on anything. Because I, I was almost yeah. sold that the sun is the devil when it's like, the sun's the most obvious god around. But yeah, also you, maybe I should be careful bringing white light into my body. I used to bring white and black light because somebody said to bring white light. And I was like, mm, you should probably have a balance. And then I went just black or I went just white. But I should probably go back. Back to both black and white? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say the yin and the yang has both. This um, brother, friend, and brother, master, friend book, and master of, Kaleshwar. Book of Kaleshwar. Oh, you got the Kaleshwar book. Yeah, the chapter that I've been reading all day today, it's all about, like, you can't stop at bliss. You have to go past bliss to where you're confronting all the negativity and dealing it and imbibing it and learn to transmute and have total mastery over the negative energies Yo. as well. So otherwise, you're not, you're not complete. So if you're just trying to deal with white light all the time, then there's a whole kind of sector of reality that you're not willing to deal with which is maybe where i'm at because i couldn't listen to that canadian conspiracy transfer stress into vitality transfer stress into vitality dude let's get into college swarm get into well, that chapter let's have that flashlight i just want it to be accessible for if i got like a hat inside and i need to see the flashlight is here the flashlight is here yeah because sometimes you jump right into the notes huh yeah Okay, I want to get into the college war, but... Let's get into whatever. Before... I, so we're getting, like, mismatched and confused already. But I feel like, as we're opening things... I'm biting into an orange. Wanna, I want to bring I out... I grew in Santa Cruz. We're sitting. Here we go. I was thinking it'd be good with the beer. I'm good on orange. Good on orange. Yeah, thank you. We're sitting here behind the basketball courts at Ocean View Park. In the midst of probably like an inner city, almost jungle, eucalyptus going down to ravine, choruses of frogs that are singing, and we're not too sure why they stop singing or when they start singing, but we do know that it probably goes back to the original frog, them passing on that message, one frog after the next, either it's let's party or let's fuck or whatever it is that they've been saying as this lineage that they just keep passing on from one generation to the next. Probably just as impressive as Egyptians keeping track of Sirius rising on the horizon, on the solstice, and be able to make a calendar that we would take from the Egyptians all the way down. Let's keep track. You know what's different about this spot? This degree of darkness that we're podcasting from? Yeah. yeah. Not only do we need a flashlight for our notes, I can't see your face. Your face is a shadow with just the occasional glimmer of the whites of your eyes. Yeah. That makes it different. Yeah, it's a different, it, yeah, it's a different feel. It made me suspicious when somebody was just running a flashlight across the scene and I was like, okay, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I was checking that guy to see if he came over. I don't uh, know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a different conversation to do it in the dark. I don't know how I have not done this before on the podcast and yet at the same time it makes sense because it's not exactly a part of my daily routine though many would argue that as a baba lover it should be something that i'm daily reciting <laughs> do you have daily routines no that's what you seem always as if you're in the wild <laughs> always as if you're within complete flow 
I've been jealous of that for like a year now and I'm like why can't I just step into full freedom beatitude of like just absolute flow going with the momentum of you're event not, after event you're like five times up on that from most people like with your flow of work and stuff like it seems like your work is always changing and different like you don't keep the same schedule all the time you're also in your own flow man don't deny your flow oh yeah dude, my flow's up your flow's up my flow's up um, yeah and it led me to this jungle ravine in the dark to convene on books that you've been reading and tell me about routines that you haven't been doing as a baba lover which i you know when i first kind of came across this and note that the page number of this is 184 which kind of hit because it's our birth year yeah 184 and um i love page numbers just that 84 you know i was like oh this is like for me Mm. And so I had a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe I should be reciting these prayers every day like many Baba lovers do. And then I kind of tried to do that for a moment and I realized that it was a bit forced and awkward and not heartfelt for me. And that's the thing about being in the flow. It's got to be natural. It's got to be emerging from that, like, I want to do this. This feels right to do if it's something that I'm making myself do or that I'm just rhythmically doing because I don't know what else to do and so I do this because I did it yesterday. Anyway, I don't need to get into... I was feeling this moment earlier of being in the flow and like not exactly knowing what to do next or where I was supposed to be and I recognized that in that moment I just paused and I was like totally open and looking around right over there by the bathrooms right when you first saw me i was in the same spot earlier today and i was just like wait 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 what's next what's the next chunk of time going to be for me because i don't know exactly what it is yet and i had to stop and like think about it for a moment before i figured out what it was going to be people that don't live in that freedom are like kind of screaming in agony and like i don't know people that are like just in the grind yeah. yeah there's just like there's like no time in their no day no time for... no space and it's always less time than they have to complete whatever it is they're trying to do yeah and that you have that moment you have that moment where you're, you're there and you're looking around the prairie you're looking around the field you're you're in the park and you're like scoping it out and you're just like yeah what's next what's next yeah right isn't that the place what that magic exists what like isn't that the place where you can just that. step into it? how many hours have you been in this park today today not the whole day it was broken up because we also went over to chanticleer park (laughs) (laughs) but then i ended up coming back here because my car was here from the morning uh it's been a good been a good day here at ocean view park place is great yeah quite a few hours this is the park that's kind of closest to the river mouth and you get to see the giant dipper from the other side yeah it's like a view of the river and the ocean at the same time this is an apex and, and the and the boardwalk and you can pretty much like see the whole city of santa cruz too splayed out with palm trees and eucalyptus and croaking frogs in the top of trees how they look all like billowed silhouette and we were going to record over at the monolith like but then we realized there was a condo with a guy with his sliding door ajar right there and our new plan is to sing to get ourselves into like a proper unwound state that was nice right it was yeah 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 it takes a little bit and then you drop in and you're like 
I would have gone a little longer and harder, but there is a house kind of near over here. Our talking level is so much lower than our singing level. What do you think that monolith is for? It's a piece of art. It's some concrete cement thing that they like carved out of the city somewhere. You can, if you look at it, you can see like old remnants of. Yeah, it's like the same drilled out of it and stuff. Shape though, as the Washington Monument, which is like right, this but like broken and irregular, kind of pyramid esque. Sort yeah, of marking and there's one power junction type of shape. I, I'm just and there's like, one standing up, and then there's one that's fallen over. We're at the river mouth, almost. Like this is some sort of. I'm wondering if it's a delineation of some. If somebody knows that this is a power spot, and that's why you put a monolith here. Somebody knows. <laughs> like us, it's pretty. We know. It's a pretty small percentage of nature places that they chose to preserve as they're like erecting cities. And they do very carefully identify like the nooks where there's more micro ecosystems within a small area. So, like, okay, we can preserve three different ecosystems all within this like one little acre or two of space. And so they'll save that one spot. They recognize the places where, that have more of that like holding nature together in terms of species needing their space and. Mm. Uh, yeah, and that's just the power mm. and energy of it. Places that you wouldn't... That it, it would be bad juju to, like, pave that place. Salute those people. Yeah, they saw those things. Like, the Poganip and um, Twin Lakes State Beach Park, that whole area. There's quite a few around town. Yeah, they very carefully pick the places. But at the same time, you look at the percentage of it that ends up, like, paved. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I wonder how long these frogs have been a colony here. Um, like, I'm not kind of even bullshitting with them passing on their frog talk from one generation to the next. Like, totally. Like, this, they've probably been doing this for a hundred years at this ravine. They've probably been doing it for thousands of years at this ravine. Yeah. The question yeah. is, how much longer can't they hold out? Because they're just like by a thread at this point what percentage of frogs are there still doing it compared to what it used to be like, which is probably like only 2% of what it was at one time 5,000 years ago. I love how much frogs look like sperm. They do kind of like look their like whole, sperm, like, like in beginning, <laughs> a whole adolescence of sperm. <laughs> they got those powerful back fins. Stop Can bullshit. Into this? Just jump in. Just jump in. I was like, <laughs> on the note of sperm. Um, okay, so Baba gave three prayers that he would participate in the prayers. He like had them dictated. It's kind of hypocritical. I shouldn't even use that word talking about him, but he's so opposed to religion and like rituals. And yet at the same time, he gave these three prayers and was like, it would be really helpful for people to say these three prayers like every day. And the reason he says it would be helpful is because he would stand and put his hands together and participate in the prayers. Even towards the end of his life when he could barely stand, he would stand and do the prayers every day with the mandali. Hold his hands together like in that traditional Hindu, prayer. Yeah. And... Um, 
and these are the three there's three prayers we don't i might i might not do all of them but i'm going to do the bigger one which is called the master's prayer what was he against ritual and form well i could theorize about that because being a person who and that's what it seems very much like your yeah inherently that's something that i have that's natural for me to be opposed to that so i could talk personally about why i think he did all that it's just makes bad karma if you're not in the present moment and you're just doing things mechanically or rhythmically it just makes so much more karma to undo. You end up doing things without heart because you're just kind of doing it mechanically or from the mind. And if you picture karma like a knot, like strings that are getting knotted up, that, you know how like you can do the same thing with a rope over and over and over again and just make the knot bigger and bigger and longer and longer and you're not doing anything different, you're just doing the same thing over and over again. It's not good. And that's what happens when you're doing things rhythmically. Not like if you're doing things like in a pattern, robotically. Yeah, it is kind of it's like it is kind of tied to rhythm. Yeah. And if you're doing it with your heart, then you're within the pulse of what's going on around you, right. and you're reacting more. Last night when we were we we spent some time drumming on the fish, and then singing afterwards, and we noted the difference of like how the pounding rhythm can kind of it like sustains itself in a very different way and kind of takes you away and hypnotizes you but it's completely different than the presence that's felt through singing where there's not necessarily a strong driving rhythmic force behind it remember that i do yeah that's similar like apply that same theory to what you do in your day if, if, if your days start lining up more like a drum beat where you just do the same thing at the same time because that's what you do and it happened yesterday and it happened the day before so it's probably going to happen today yeah <sighs> yeah ah, that's just fucking filthy karma it's such a <laughs> filthy karma <laughs> Wait. it doesn't have that presence of pure like I'm in the moment and this is true and feels right for me okay I'm trying to understand well for one it's a paradox that yeah. the heart is the rhythm maker right and yet the, we're looking at it in the sense of being like the languid sea singing that creates these open spaces that aren't within like this lockstep marching true that as the heart marches forward in rhythm yeah i still don't quite grasp the filthy karma of doing things over and over why why does karma get filthy if you're not living more authentically within your heart and going like within the pulse of whim and the whim being the thing that's generated all around you like almost to the point that it becomes tactile like wind wind and the wind being the thing that's generated all around you like almost to the point that it becomes tactile like wind I feel like you answered your own question yeah, it's like I'm almost there. I'm like, I'm putting my head through like... What more can I say than you just said? That's the reason, then. That is, that's why it's fucked up, is because you're not... It's fucked up because you're not actually in it. Yeah, you're pushing dude. on it, and by pushing on it, you're making some sort of repercussion, as it's, opposed to being enveloped in it, and if you're enveloped in it, then there's kind of no repercussion, because it's just the continuation it is of what's so, going on. It is so important what we do. 
like the little things. Everything yeah. we do is ridiculously important and people lose track of that. And it's really easy to lose track of that when you're doing things repetitively. It's so important what we do. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, is it? I believe it to be. It's important what we do because of the effects that it has within Invisible repercussions throughout the holographic universe. The universe is in our bodies. Every time you do something, it's affecting the entire infinite universe from 10 million years ago to 10 million years in the future and way, way, way beyond that because a million is not that big. But we forget about the immense scope of every movement that we make throughout every single day. And being present and heartfelt is the best approach to getting in line with that universal flow. If you don't quite know what to do, but as humans we're used to doing stuff all the time and we're kind of uncomfortable with not doing something at any given moment, and if you don't know what to do and you just do something because that's like the normal thing that you do, it becomes mindless and mechanical. And this is, um, it's karma that just stacks up and then gets harder to get rid of later. It all has to be undone. And the more we do things repetitively, it's just a big, much larger pile that you end up having to deal with at the end. And the pile doesn't get bigger if you're present and heartfelt. There is, I believe there is some way to live and act in the world where we're not adding to our karmic pile. And I don't think that rituals and uh, repetitive behavior is that way. There's something on the track of being present. Mm -hmm. And then being heartfelt, like you have a heart, you're equipped with it. It should be the thing that's moving you forward with it. And you have to keep these things in mind because your actions will have an outcome that will go a span of 10 million years in either direction of everything you do. Every sip you take, every place you sit. <laughs> that kind of mind sip my corona. Well, that's then the, like the fucking hyper state that we're also always living in and every moment is a choice to get deeper into it where you like, oh, everything is this sizzling bacon grease of importance. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's why it's possible to drop in. It wouldn't be possible. It's not like you can just choose, like, yeah, I'm going to get on the high dive and dive in here. It's like you can dive in at any point because it's always 10 million years deep. Yeah, that's the illusion, baby. We're so deep in the illusion, and, like, at the same time, reality is always going on. And so it seems like, wait, when do I snap myself out of this? Is it going to happen now or now or now? But it's at any point. Oh, Parvardi Gar, the preserver and protector of all. You are, without beginning and without end. Are you trying to interrupt? You're going to make it a song. You know, um, Township put this in music. Of the who? Okay. <laughs> don't we don't have to go where Pete Townshend has been. No, it could be a different song. But, um... Can I start over? Please. No redos, you it's filthy like, karma it's that bastard. It starts with an O that you know you have to be fucking in the moment <laughs> to say it. Because you're calling out when you say this. Oh! 
And right now I'm not really calling out, so I probably shouldn't say it, but I had the inspiration <laughs> that I should read this. I love that it's been like 20 minutes that it's been ready to do been this. priming it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is worse than Canadian conspiracy. Dude, Canadian conspiracy is good. He's called Spaceman. We're He's trying to good remember as he talks name. about all the demonic forces and bloodlines that have been running throughout, like all of the societies that have been formed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's good at it. He's good and at it. He's like trying to twist your feeling about white light so that it's satanic. He changed my idea of what poetry is, of what poetry is today. Listening to him, like just spin I yarn. Wanted, I think that's part of why I wanted to read this because we talked about how there needs to be more poetry in this podcast. Yeah, this is prime prayer poetry. Yeah, this is a this is a poem about God, and it's like the height of describing something indescribable. And this is what he would say to recite this every day? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was definitely, like, an option. It's not like you had to do that, but he... This is what he says, like, it's probably pretty any, good for you. Any time you recite it, it will be beneficial for you spiritually. And it's... And because he participated in it. And they like wouldn't do there, music when they did his it? his energy very intimately into the moment that you... I mean, again, Pete Townshend from The Who put it to music he wrote chords for it and like rocks it on an acoustic guitar with a, with like a choir singing it do you uh, t- did the who get into baba pete did yeah not the whole who though oh yeah pete's a baba lover full on uh, do you know i don't know anything about this yeah i don't know all the history either but he seems so like aggressive and kind of like aggro pete does I, I don't know the who that much, but he always seemed like he was like a little bit of a dick. And He's like, a hardcore artist person. I think he was one of the more out there Baba lovers. I heard rumor, I shouldn't backbite, but I heard rumor that he like got banned from Maribod for doing acid or something. He got banned from? From like the place, uh, Baba's place in India. Like there was a lot of uh, tension between him and some of the organization of Baba lovers because... He's you know, just tripping balls all the time there. I don't know if he was doing it all the time, or I don't know the story. I shouldn't even <laughs> mention. But on the other hand, he did work closely with a lot of like higher up Baba lovers to create. It was like a film studio dedicated to Baba called the Oceanic that they built on a boat, and were like making. It was like had a recording studio and like film editing suite and stuff in there. Dude, a boat recording studio? Yeah. That is fun. You could literally record underwater. Like as the boat bow was like sunk under the water. You'd yeah. be down in there. Yeah. Oh, Parvardigar, the preserver and protector of all. You are without beginning and without end. Non-dual, beyond comparison, and none can measure you. You are without color without expression, without form, and without attributes. You are unlimited and unfathomable, beyond imagination and conception, eternal and imperishable. You are indivisible, and none can see you but with eyes divine. You always were, you always are, and you always will be. You are everywhere, You are in everything, and you are also beyond everywhere and beyond everything. You are in the firmament and in the depths. 
you are manifest and unmanifest on all planes and beyond all planes you are in the three worlds and also beyond the three worlds you are imperceptible and independent you are the creator the lord of lords the knower of all minds and hearts you are omnipotent and omnipresent you are knowledge infinite power infinite and bliss infinite you are the ocean of knowledge all-knowing infinitely knowing the knower of the past the present and the future and you are knowledge itself you are all merciful and eternally benevolent you are the soul of souls the one with infinite attributes you are the trinity of truth knowledge and bliss you are the source of truth the ocean of love you are the ancient one the highest of the high you are prabhu and parameshwar you are the beyond god and the beyond beyond god also you are parabrahma paramatma allah elahi yesdam ahura mazda and god the beloved you are named isa the only one worthy of worship Does it kind of make you uncomfortable to have that red on your podcast? What? No? No. no. How does that sit with you? Does it make me uncomfortable to have red on the podcast? I don't like We have so much ridiculous shit on here. Like how is this like so description much. of the pervasive nature of God like going to be <laughs> too far, man? <laughs> <laughs> It makes it a religious thing. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Dude, we talk about God literally every time. I know. I've been thinking, like, we need to reach out to some Baba people, dude. They would dig this. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think the average Baba person would want to listen to our bullshit. No? Maybe they would. Somebody would. No, I was like, dude, we need to hit, hit up this Kitty Davy in the Myrtle Beach library scene. We need to go to, like, the East Bay Baba place and put up some flyers. Dude, you're fucking devout, man. Devout people like devout people. They like people that are, like, on the path and, like, hitting the same nodes that they're at. Feeling the place. I'm not a very good devout. <laughs> yeah, but then they can feel better than you. That feels good, too. Laugh. People love feeling better than people. <laughs> I mean, what would they say? Oh, he's not taking it serious enough? There was a time when Baba was having trouble standing because he was, you know, like... Because his body had been shattered from the multiple vehicle accidents that were his crucifixion in this advent. Mm. Mm. So he mm. couldn't stand up all that much. Ouch. And Ouch. at one point, they were doing this prayer. Erich was reciting it. And Baba keeps telling him to go faster and faster and faster. It's a long prayer. It's, it's kind a long, of a long prayer. prayer. And so Eric is like trying to say it as fast as he can because Baba keeps gesturing to him to go faster. And it finally just starts laughing. And he's like, just, he, he it like can't take himself seriously because he's just like racing as fast as he can get these words out so Baba can sit down again. 
which is I, hilarious because that. that's like the nature of a repeated prayer at church is like people are like oh god is can we just sit down is it over yet the, the, the nature of this prayer or the feeling of this prayer, the impression that I get is that it is to remind you of the expansive nature of God. Yeah. That it's within the fathoms and the depths and yeah. the depths. That it's yeah. in all places. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good to remember. But it's also like if you've heard this prayer, then you know. And you also know that there's going to be like another 30 lines of it. <laughs> it's definitely... Yeah, I remember when I was first hearing it, feeling like it was really nice and it had kind of all the things that you wanted in it. Um, it, it takes you on a narrative journey through the whole, like, I feel like I'm opening up a book and it's describing the scene and the scene is taking you like in this panorama, focusing, flying through all of the realms and the realms are terrestrial and you just get into these places and like as you you go through and then you like evaporate and go transfer into the next part of it like you just you don't stop the the camera just keeps going through things and then more appears and you get to this vista and then you get a close-up and the close-up gets molecular and then the molecular like goes through and gets emotional and then it gets to whatever the three realms right and travels all of that the physical the subtle or energy realms and also the mental or energy realms and also the mental nice mm-hmm. nice the physical the subtle and the mental yeah and then I remind you at the end it's all this it's all this Baba it's all this God it's all this energy and he's just sitting right there be like hurry up <laughs> yeah and he said you have no idea what's going on right now in this moment where I'm standing and participating in the prayer. It doesn't matter how you say it or how good you say it or how fast you say it. It's just the fact that you're saying it and that I'm participating in it. And what that does is allow me to work through every single time that this prayer is ever recited in the future. I will be there. Wait, what? Every time that it's recited in the future, I'll be when there. When you say this prayer, it opens a channel for Baba's energy to be very present. As you reopen the book, sitting in your poncho with your beard and your beanie, fuck off, you're not devout, dude. As we, Baba fuckers are gonna wanna listen to this, dude. You're here doing it. It's, it's You're here, dude. You're the night watchman. You're one of the disciples, dude. Any devout Baba person would say that Baba is always present even if people are unconscious of him even if they don't even know baba's name he's still there with that person like this infinite paramatma that we're like the parvati gar that sustains all of all atoms in creation throughout all time baba is that and he's always going to be there but there's something different about the quality when you read this prayer it like somehow is going to without us even reading it, with me reading it imperfectly, with Kyle singing over it, with beatboxing over it, whatever it is, it's still going to somehow channel that Meher Baba energy in a unique and profound way. And that's why I wanted to put it at least somewhere in one of these podcasts. Wow, you take this, like, very seriously? Mm. Like, you're worried about tainting it? It's a very sacred prayer. Yeah, sacred. That's the word I'm looking for. Not mm-hmm. serious, not taint. Sacred. 
It's not some shit to fuck around with. Yeah. Why, though? Maybe it is, but I don't... I, I would... You can't ruin the sacredness of something that's truly sacred. Okay. But okay. I wouldn't try. <laughs> I wouldn't play with doing that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that you were... Uh, of questioning I don't know I'm not, not questioning but like you're like is it okay to put it on like or how do you I, feel about having this yeah, on here I, I was like thinking about that my voice recording it 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 established between the master and the student the real work can begin Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's from... Uh, this is Kaleshwar now. Kaleshwar? Yeah. Once the love and trust is established, then the real work can begin. Yeah. You, my friend, don't have complete trust right now. No. I don't. Yeah. That's why Baba lovers are going to like to hear this. Is that they've been... They're either at your level, or they're below your level, or they're beyond your level. And from either of those vantage points, they can see your journey... And then they'll be able to recognize themselves in your part of the journey. But one thing for sure is you're pretty devout, like you're pretty sincere about it. So they'll be able to like recognize and vibe off of that. Hmm. And then they, they could see that in you reading it or your questioning afterwards of it, that uh, you might not be sure if you were you connected through, like, to the master. Plateaus and tears of what you just described too. Because at the time that I was in India the first time and like hadn't even accepted Baba but I was like so so dedicated to just the concept of God and like uniting with God and yearning for that I was at this incredible peak of like being a seeker who the spiritual realm was the only important thing to me and then being there again when I was with Bao I would say I had less doubt than I do now about it. I've been going through a period of, like, rockiness in my faith. And so you're right. I have, like, a shakenness about my my beliefs right now. And it kind of, it, like, rolls on. Because you'll, you'll kind of dupe yourself where you think you're all the way convinced and that your faith is rock solid. And then you'll get dropped from a thousand stories and you'll end up with a crack in your faith. Yeah, yeah. I like a thousand stories being not necessarily falling, but like just going on a journey where a thousand things happen. Right. Anything can happen in those stories. Anything can happen in those stories. Any story can unfold. That prayer to me seems like it was the description of the pervasive nature of God, though. Mm -hmm. Why is that? That is a great way to sum up that prayer. Why is that a hardcore thing to, to say? I don't think it is. I think that's an obvious thing to say about God. Right? That's what I'm feeling too. Like, so, why would you ask if it's strange to have it on here or, like, as if it's some, like, heavy because religious the, thing? The heritage on. of it, the history of it, and what it represents and stands for. And what it represents and stands for is, like, Baba had only three things that he would have yeah, people like do. And not this that is one many, of them. like, re- religious type rituals that he put out there, but this is one of them. Oh. What is this whole... What, what is it called? 
The Master Prayer. The Master the Prayer. Old Parvati, Old Parvati Gar Prayer. And they wouldn't sing it. Traditionally, they didn't sing it. No. There was quite a few song prayers that he also put forward. Um, there's a number of, I was like four or five songs that he wrote or like he said, okay, these are the ones and those are the songs that they like sing around his samadhi or his tomb site in India. And like, those are the songs that kind of get repeated in a lot of different, you know, Baba celebration times and stuff. Like those are like the songs. I mean, there's like a million Baba songs that people have written. Yeah. But there was about, I think about five of them that Baba like put his stamp of, of approval on and would frequently have recited. Have you been to his tomb? Yeah. What's the vibe like there? It's awesome. I wish I could live there. Yeah? Yeah. What, what do you mean that's awesome? Like people are spreading flowers on the grave and they're just feeling ecstatic? His tomb, his that they call his samadhi... Um, it's this kind of cubicle building and the four corners of it have icons that represent the major religions of the world but you go inside that's cool and there's like this really cool kind of like modern art like painting all over the inside walls of this like scene of wait are you just you're describing now where he's buried yeah Oh, fuck. Okay, okay. Um, this scene of, like, all these... Of all these different people, like, worshipping. Um, it's, like, all these Baba lovers. And they're, again, it's kind of, like, almost cartoon, but, like, neo, like, it's, like, art, you know, like, an artistic perspective. Painted people who are all, like, in prayer of the Beloved surrounding the tomb and then there's like there's like a little small area where basically one person at a time can go in and uh you know they say take darshan you like can be on your knees or whatever or touch the touch the tombstone and there's like a big white marble tombstone i frankly forget the words that are on it but there's some probably quote or something i don't remember exactly what the words are on his gravesite but could you feel anything well, I remember when I first went there, I was still seeking and didn't, hadn't really accepted Baba. And I was like still in this mode where I was hoping or expecting for some kind of quote unquote spiritual experience. I was thinking I was going to get like hit with the astral light and be blinded or some shit like that. Yeah. And All right. because that didn't happen the first time I went in. I Next. Right, I was like, all right, well. I mean, where do you want from a guru? I just, that's what I want. I climbed to the top of this fucking mountain, dude. Let's see some fireworks. Wants. Yeah, right? This <laughs> is what everybody wants. So when that didn't happen, I have to say, at least initially, there was a bit of disappointment. But I was going in wanting the wrong thing, or asking the wrong thing, I think. I can say this. I had an experience right near the Samadhi... Uh, 2012, right? The big, like, I th- it was at 11 11. Um, was like the big time, right? It was like 12 21 12 was the date, and then there was a certain hour which was like the height of it. I think it was 11 11. 
If you're talking Mayan prophecy. I'm talking Mayan prophecy, and I was big into that, remember? Mm. And I was in mm. India at the, at the time that this happened. Wait, you were in India for the Mayan prophecy? Yeah. Fuck yeah, I was dude. at Baba's Samadhi. I was dude. one of two people at Baba's Samadhi. <laughs> That's so hardcore to go to your god for the end of the war. <clears throat> and there was a cool thing that happened because I went to visit it that <clears throat> night, and I was very aware of this, like, specific hour which right now I'm like forgetting what the specific hour was. I forget if it was 11, 11 or midnight that night or whatever it was. But I was like totally tuned into wanting to be right there at that moment. And as, and I walked up to... Wait, Samanadi is Baba's grave? Yeah. You went to your God's grave for the perceived end of the world or some sort of psychic transformation, whatever was going to happen. Yeah. You get shit done. I got there... And they're, they're, they always have a night watchman there. And the night watchman was the only other person there. And it turned out to be my friend who was there. He's a musician who does a lot of awesome, like, he plays the drums and sings Baba songs. There was so much hype in the world for the 2012 Mayan yeah, Prophecy time. There was so, so much. much hype. So me and this guy end up, like, hanging out kind of a ways away from the, the actual tomb and we're just chatting and talking and hanging out and talking and chatting and hanging out and talking and chatting and hanging out. And I was like, chatting, I'm hanging not, out. Yeah, I'm talking and chatting, I'm hanging out. I was not looking at the time because I kind of had this feeling that I didn't want to be like hyper focused on the time. Like I should be present with this person that I'm with. This is the present moment. Because what is the ritual, filthy karma conductor? It's clocks. And I, we probably talked for like a half an hour or something like that. But then when I finally did pull out my phone to check like how close I was to the actual like minute of the quote unquote important moment, it was that minute. I like, it was, yes. you know, I was like, oh, this is the time. And then we walked up together to get closer to it and like had our sacred moment of silence as that, that moment in time was unfolding. It's like within the conversation, I just kind of, it, it was a lot, we were hanging out for a long time before this happened. Um, so that was kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Wow. Being in the sink of that moment. What would you done if Baba had uh, risen from the <laughs> grave? <laughs> right Have there? a job, Baba King Would you have done though, right? Played him some Only songs. Baba can say, I probably would have passed out and fell at his feet. <laughs> so I started sucking on his big toe. Yeah. <laughs> and all the frogs get quiet. <laughs> Hit me, hit me. I was just re reflecting on this word samadhi, right? You yeah, that's what, that what I was means? struggling with. That's the grave. Samadhi has multiple connotations. It's an Indian word, like a Hindu word for sure. But it kind of just means the breathless state. So it can be associated mm. with death, but it can also just be associated with like the height of trance or meditation. Shock and awe. You go that into... That moment where you're just... <gasps> 
but like for a yogi yoga samadhi can last for days you don't take a breath your heart stops beating but it and your body will appear as though it's dead did you meet anybody that didn't breathe for days i don't know (laughs) how would i know i didn't observe this okay okay um supposedly kaleshwar did this a number of times um and there was like a whole chapter that i was just reading like right before you got here i was in the middle of the chapter about his like samadhi the uh, the the western young western authors of this book supposedly witnessed him go into samadhi two or three times because of a special uh spiritual meeting he was having with shirdi baba um who's shirdi baba shirdi sai baba was the the head fucking love these names and these guys and these like hierarchies and it's like it's like getting at the bottom of tree roots and just seeing this passage of of lineage and power dude i would so much rather be into all of this insanity than like the anunnaki and demons and aliens like creating humanity at the egyptian pyramids and stuff i mean yeah yeah. maybe those things happen too i'm not saying that they didn't happen but shirdi sai baba dude like everybody in india knows about this guy and probably probably not that many people in america know about him he was a super real dude so many people witnessed his miracles like they're pretty historically solid like this guy did some miracles and a lot of people witnessed them um why aren't more miracles happening in the united states I mean, the energy in the United States is very high, but it's mostly re—it's it's mostly misdirected. It's directed at physical attainment and greed. And the energy in India is there's a lot of people deeply vibing on the spirit and the spiritual path in India. How does that feel different than directed on the material plane? How does it feel different? Like, what's the difference in the, like, how is that, how is going on a speedboat with a bunch of friends and you're drinking beer and, like, in bikinis and you're fucking making wakes happen, how is that hype different than the hype of being in the spiritual realm? That is a weird question to try to answer. This, I would say the spirit is going with you on the speedboat, but you might not be aware of the spirit. But when you get to a nice quiet place, when you get to a nice quiet place where you maybe could potentially not be aware of the gross physical realm, emphasis on the word gross, because it's just the biggest and loudest of realms. Mm. If you get to where you can like tune that out for a minute, you'll realize that there is something still there because it's not all physical and when you get to that place then the spirit starts to shine through okay so everybody in India is about this guy he's like probably the biggest he looks like Tupac dude master figure in this drawing he looks like Tupac he has that same like kind of hard eyes that are still compassionate yeah dude Shirdi is so good Shirdi I had a major Shirdi Baba. I had a major connection with Shirdi Sai Baba. His book, one of his like authorized biographies, was guiding me through my first trip in India when I had not accepted Baba. 
I was not so sure about Meher Baba, but... I'd love to navigate through a land that you don't know by an authorized biography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shirdi Baba is so good. How was he guiding you? What are the Indian people like about him? What's the deal with this guy? His energy is prime. It's very real. You open up a channel to him. Maybe people in America, it feels very distant here, but they're so close. Ah, okay, word. You open up a channel to the energy. The energy is still latent on the earth or within the realm that you can tune into. You are hooked up into their vibe, and then their vibe starts transporting you about the land. You can feel their vibration within you. And, yeah, and you, like, get guidance from them and, like, the... the, um, the eccentricities of life, the 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 nuances that happen, the um, the occurrences. What's the word I'm looking for? The uh, the serendipity, the things that happen that kind of let you know that God is real. They start to be guided a bit more because there's the the human form, like that spirit of Shirdi Baba connected to God is now working instead of it just being the, you know, universal formless God, he'll probably be doing cool things to your day as well. But when you connect to the energy of a master that was alive a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. so close in universal space time, time. And his and consciousness his is still all pervading, and he'll start to work on your day, you partner your day, and make those really cool things happen so that you have to feel his presence all the more, and you get that guidance, and you understand the learning, and the growth that you have to do. And it's not even like they're specifically working on you, seeing you on your motorcycle with the autobiography in the back and you're cruising through India. It's not like they're specifically zoning in and being like, hey, this is what DJ Mini needs and is happening with. Or maybe they are, but I'm theorizing that their psychic energy spread goes out so far that if you, it's, it's just pervasive enough that you could tune into it, like getting butter onto a piece of toast. I don't claim to know which one of those two things it is. I want to say it's probably both, but I don't know. Yeah, it probably is both. Yeah. It probably is both. It's probably it might like be. little nodes that exist, like little nanobots within the sphere that it's just like, if you tune into it, then they can start to work on you specifically. Maybe, maybe just maybe, that difference I was trying to describe earlier about Baba's presence, whether the Parvartigar prayer has been said or not, Maybe when you say the prayer, it's a little bit more like that first thing you described. Where not only is it, you know, just this pervasive everywhere thing, but it's also that it's now, like, you tuned your radio dial to that. And it's going to start communicating to you It's not just coming through the speaker, it's suddenly like a microphone. You had said this about singing, that the magic, the real magic that happens is within the mind. Like, it's within the consciousness. Right. Like, that's the place that magic is happening. Yeah. Seems pretty solid to reason that then you could tune in or that you could be receiving transmissions from somebody that died a hundred years ago. This Kitty Davy book was talking about 
consciousness and awareness and if there's a difference between them and I think she was frankly theorizing because Baba says that just being human we have full consciousness which is interesting because he also talks about infinite consciousness most of us could not say that we're infinitely conscious presently but it's like that infinite consciousness is latent within our human form so then the ticket sick, dude. the ticket is the, the unfoldment of that awareness of our own consciousness it's like yeah, we don't yeah. even know our own entire yeah, you don't know your depth yet. dude you we can't fathom it you yet. cannot fathom it yeah. that's a hundred percent fact there's no way you could fathom your own depth there's it's impossible to fathom how oh, amazing we you will are. fathom it we will get there that is inevitable <laughs> are you talking upon death you're talking upon like just later lives it's like it's gonna a, happen in life at some point sometimes it happens on death too it, like death is a profound transition point it's a sacred moment it's a, that, that moment of dropping the body frequently when we do reach the, the height of awareness we just drop the body because you don't need it anymore at that point mm-hmm. but um, no Wait, you're saying we're going to get there to be able to fathom our own depth yes that is the unshakable fate that we are all bound to there is one destiny that we are all going towards, and it is to be fully aware of infinite consciousness. Baba says the journey is from unconscious God to conscious God. It seems so easy when you put it that way. Right? When you put it into a sentence. I love reading books by Spotlight. Yeah. Whilst the theme of today is awareness, I'm not reading the right parts. I am ever conscious that I am in you while you are never conscious that I am in you. Daily I support you and share your consciousness. Now I want you to uphold me and share my consciousness and share it one day with all, with, share it one day with all, with all with whom you work. That's kind of a weird grammar i think that's a misquote this these are um transcribed talks that she gave this is like a tape recording and then they wrote it down oh of kitty davy yeah kitty davy myrtle beach transcriptions Hmm. can you crack me open with another angle on this as you want to read by spotlight oh yeah yeah is this too joint, too disjointed? As we start with, is that her? That's Kitty Davy. Wow, she died in the '90s when she was 100 years old. She lived to 100. Mm-hmm. One fine thread. Yeah, she says that phrase in a number of her talks too. It's interesting. I was thinking that that would just kind of be like a one-off statement that they thought was profound but she comes back to that one fine thread again and again throughout multiple talks yeah i resonate on that if you have that connection with the master then that thread continues with you through everything right abound and around in mm-hmm. all that you interact with mm-hmm. you can make a whole cloth out of one thread yeah 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 Poetry time. 
<laughs> Impressions of the rumble, piano, trainload, mingling, sensations of emotion, of beer excitement, highway excitement, the feeling of actual weight, four guys to carry the weight, the lingering feeling of songwriter's hand on the piano, how it has lasted and felt. The sadness of broken hearts, angry love, songs that held this. The piano has been in love with her, had hummed in the barn next to the river with her heart humming next to the love she is singing about. That's just a fraction of it. Mm. I felt like I was jumping. I felt like I was jumping. Let's, let's gather. How, how do we gather? How do we gather? God. We got deep into something and then we jumped out of the pit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. then it gets angled in a way and then it's just like you can like take a running leap at it. Let's talk about COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking. How do we gather? We, we gather the way that you gathered here a couple of hours ago. Where you just pause and ah. let whatever happens next, what happens next. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go to a place that feels like exciting and fun because it's what we want. <laughs> I wonder if that's what we want. This is the issue of having a party. When you're partying, it feels like it's the best thing and you want it all the time. But when you get old and you don't party so much, <laughs> you, then you either miss it or you realize that it was not really the height of everything. And it's actually really nice to just be calm and mellow and have a pause. I saw old man on the porch today driving around town. And it occurred to me that you can be a hobo on the porch or you can be Kevin Costner on the front porch. And you're still just the guy sitting there in the rocking chair watching the world happen. Yeah. He's so close to the same outcome. It totally just depends on the person's perspective, their consciousness of the experience. It's like, how much is your rocking chair really going to change, too? Not many hobos have a rocking chair. That should be changed. But uh, But they need to get on there. They need to get on it, dude. They could have a rocking chair. Yeah, they're around. They're around. They've cultivated a lifetime of learning how to be comfortable almost anywhere. Or at least attempting to be comfortable in many situations that other people would not deem comfortable enough. Yeah, how comfortable do you think... How comfortable do you think that guy was that was just laying on the street pissing on the art museum last night? I don't know. That guy probably is struggling with mental illness, I would guess, and may or may not be that comfortable. I've seen that guy around town a lot. I'm guessing he's not the most comfortable of people, but I don't know him that well. He certainly seems like one of the most like legit, like potential must type people. Like he might be mentally ill, but he might also be moving the whole universe through his fingertips. <laughs> And we're back. It's hard to say. <laughs> With that guy, I know that guy. 
I've never talked to that guy, but I'm definitely aware of who that guy is. Did you recognize him? I recognize him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a certain kind of grime about him. His his sideburns. Like it's like as deep as you can go, where even like your hobo spread is all just like black and gray. Yeah. Like you could have any color blanket. But they all kind of turn that color when you've had them long enough in Hobo Hobo Land. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's in. Yeah. So Musk is somebody that is holding the realms of reality together. A must is someone who has lost consciousness of the physical world and their consciousness resides in the realms of energy or mind. Oh, and it might take some of them to be holding or pulling the strings and like making it all happen around here. Yeah, they they have power and energy flowing around them and uh, like they could potentially perform miracles though you may never see it like taking a piss on the army soon <laughs> maybe we don't know <laughs> the outcome or the effect of that piss goes 10 million years in either direction everything we do is so important we this... can't start qualifying it <laughs> hey I wanted to remember what uh what, what was it last winter you if you remember they were changing your time so that you had eight days no, no, no. Like, hit me on the math on this. Week. Okay, so it's still seven days. Seven times four is 28. Seven so times four is 28. If we had a calendar where there was 13 months and 28 days in every month, it lines up perfectly. The month would always start on a Monday or a Sunday or whatever you wanted it to start on. And... 13 times 28 is 364. So you would just have one day that was not on the calendar. It was like a turnaround day, like a holiday. And every four years, you'd have two of those days to account for leap years. And you'd have a very, very clean and organized calendar. You were doing something else, though. You had like three hours within one hour. I was talking about making metric time. I could talk a lot about what that looked like and it was a pretty cool idea. And it's based on the sun. Um, and Are we talking about the same like thing? Because I'm talking about you took one Earth hour, like one norm core hour, and you said, hey, fuck that. I'm going to change that into three. It wasn't And exactly I'm going to just that. have way more time. <laughs> no, it wasn't exactly like that. It was something very close to that. But it, uh, it was the idea was instead of having 24 hours in the day... Okay, here we are. You would yeah. have 11 hours in the day. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay, yes, yes. So How did this work? It was be- my idea was that it's metric time, but instead of 10, I was like, we always want an extra hour in the day, so we should make it 11 <laughs> instead of 10. <laughs> This is some musk action. (laughs) This is some musk action. So you took the 24-hour day and you made it into metric, which is 10. And then you said, but we always need a bit more time. So you made it to 11. Yeah. And then those hours, which would be, you know, it was like not three times the length of our hour, but it was like about two and a half or so. Those would be, instead of divided by 60 minutes, they'd be divided by 100 minutes. So then the minute ends up being a bit faster than the minutes that we have presently. And if you divided the minutes instead of by 60 seconds, by 100 seconds, you get time that counts instead of one Mississippi, two, three, 
four, which like people, that's not the rhythm of people anymore. We're like one, two, three, four, five, six. And that would be about what the second would be like in the metric time I was devising. You made a second that matches more to people's internal pulses. Mm -hmm. And that second, there's actually more of those seconds within the hour, thereby you actually have more space in that hour. Yeah, it's like the the hours would be much more expansive because the hour is actually considerably longer. Um, but the minute would be faster. So it would, you know, you'd get more minutes per hour. It would feel a bit more like, I don't know how to say it. It seemed like it would be a better flow to me. Yeah, way more minutes, but a longer hour. You'd get way more done, but also have way more time. The perception of time would change if you were counting it differently. And I don't really think that counting by 60s and 12s and 24s is the best way to do it. That's some leftover, like, I don't know if that's from Sumeria. I, there's different theories, I think, even about where that original way of counting came from. If that was Greek, I don't remember where. Someone knows. There was some culture where they didn't even count in 10s. They counted in, like, 60s. Mm. And I like that someone knows. Yeah, fuck yeah. We're living in a time, in a, a place now where somebody knows. <laughs> we could probably take a minute and look it up. Yeah, yes. But, uh, no, I think it would be better to have some metric time. And, yeah, I was into, like, changing the calendar days as well, too, to more of a moon-based thing, which I realized isn't exactly how it lines up, because this weird freaking processional thing of the, the moon being either 27... Um, what, what, no, what was it? Yeah, 27 days and 7 hours in terms of its position, orbital position. Mm -hmm. But then from new moon to new moon, it's actually 29 and a half days. So it's like 28 is in the middle of these two like things that the moon is actually doing, if you scientifically measure it. Fucking blows my mind. <laughs> So I got super bummed out about this like a year <laughs> after being all adamant about how awesome my calendar was when I realized that it would not, if you're doing a 28-day, 13-month calendar, it would not mean that the new moon was always day one of the month and that day 15 would always be the full moon. It would not work out that way. The moon, the full moon would still be shifting throughout your calendar months and I got super bummed out about that. And it doesn't line up very nicely to count it by the new moon and the full moon because then it wouldn't line up with the year which is the orbital position of the earth going around the sun and going you know in line with the distant stars um so the moon just doesn't line up <laughs> with those things <laughs> it makes it a bit hard to count it's interesting what you we opened this podcast with you talking about um Canadian cons conspiracy saying that the sun was Satan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I heard a thing that different religions, um, basically, you're either sun-centric or you're moon-centric or you're star-centric. Mm. Those are the three kind of options of ancient man being obsessed with something bigger than them that they're trying to understand that they're focused on and there was like three classes of people there was the different religions formed up and they were either moon based which I think the pagans were or they were sun based which some of the early religions were or they were star based people that like to get things done 
they're, they were the early scientists. They were trying to find the truth by what they could observe. I like that. And they were in love with what they saw, and they saw the power of these big objects moving through the sky and the wonder of them kind of not being perfectly synced up and just observing the procession of the planets and things changing. And it was like the first instructors of math to look up at the stars and to see the rotation and the changes. It's like all the math was there, and they just plain as night just look up and start watching it and it sort of occurs or charts out for you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that place the what are you obsessed with the obsessed with something bigger than you and then you start following <coughs> it and charting it yeah it changed my sense of time when we started moving away from trying to measure time with the Gregorian calendar. And we were trying, and then we were like, well, what do you measure it by? And it's just by what's happening around you. You measure it by the storms and the seasons and the, the like, uh, kind of weather patterns that are occurring. The migration of animals, your emotional states, fights with your girlfriend. I became frustrated with the concept that, like, saying an hour of the day didn't necessarily tell you that much information about what it was like at that hour because the sun sets at different times all the time the sun rises at different times all the time sometimes it's seven o'clock and it's totally dark out sometimes it's seven o'clock and the sun is still up and it just seemed like when you say an hour like if you're looking at a book and it's got the date and the time logged in it it would be nice if that told you exactly what the scene looked like at that time. So in addition to trying to make metric time, I wanted it to be modular. I wanted it to be metric time that was tuned to your microclimate, to your microsystem, so that like the time would always describe what was going on with the sun at the place that you were at. So here podcasting at the eucalyptus little forest regime we would have our own modular time based on what is here in this like little valley yeah and really speaking there should probably be two times there should be sun time and moon time so if you look at the moon right now it's pretty close to the middle of the sky so it would be like maybe a little bit before like noon noon moon Right? It's like 11 o'clock for the moon right now. Yeah. Yeah. Why would we still use numbers? Rather than... What's the other option? I mean, Positions? You could have like... like you if could you have could like detail it words. out to yeah. feeling? Yeah, rather Some than just like, like descriptive state of like what it number is of going like, on? Yeah, right? It's like either dawn or pre-dawn or post-dawn or... I remember getting, I think part of the esoteric inspiration for all of this was the term Pulatla. Remember me getting all hyped up about Pulatla? Yeah, what is that? It's when the daylight is starting to come on, but like long before the sun actually rises. You start, oh, that's right. You were like hyped up on night. the Pulatla. Yeah. It's like the depth of night. And then you start to realize that the day is coming kind of soon because it's getting a bit brighter out. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was that nice. was like the magic that time. That was a nice time. I mean, that's my favorite time of day. I was really in... It I is was the best time of day. Thing. It's just normally you're so tired to, like, get there. Right? 
But if you are in a powerful state, mm -hmm. then you can integrate with it. That's when you want to get up and appreciate that time and start to move and be in the presence of that time. Talking about realizing about being purified and like just you party too hard and then you kind of get dragged down. You would never get to that state if you could maintain being, uh, uh, if you could maintain being powerful all the time. Like, yeah. if you had the internal power that you could uh, be getting up at Puyata, which is like pre-dawn, right. then you wouldn't be overwhelmed by everything else. So it's like, that's the game to play, is to maintain that inner state of power. Yeah. you got to be careful, too, though, because even on your own energy supplies, you can dupe yourself and think that you've got a sustainable role going and end up depressed for months, which is what happened to me when I went through that I thought I was in a, like, sustainable state of power for months. I was, like, hyped up and supercharged, but I was totally not doing some... There was something not sustainable about what I was doing because I definitely crashed after months of being on this just, like, full-on powerful, like, charged state of affairs. Maybe an indicator would be that whatever you're imbibing with doesn't change you. Yeah. Like, you could drink three bottles of wine and not get tipsy. Right. You could do a rail of ketamine and nothing would change. You'd be like those Indian gurus. That's when the, the guys state of the master. Traveled and gave them acid and they're just like... Totally unaffected. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, their vibe is beyond any of this petty bullshit. Yeah, they're beyond the physical. Yeah, yeah. If you could get there, then you could be at a place that's not affected and then you could rock in Pulart at all point. How did you hear about Pulart, the pre-dawn? Pulatla. 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 Uh, there was this really awesome book, which the name is going to slip my mind, but it was, a, it was a fictional book that was pretty accurate talking about uh, Native American times. It was just a book about Native American peoples doing their thing and like having adventures. And it was the... Um, was it an Ohlone one? No, no. They were like, uh, more like New Mexico. And um, uh, it was like the master builder. What was that guy's name? If I think for a second, it's going to come to me. Um, hmm. All that's coming to me is Corona. <laughs> I got kind of tipsy. I was like, I don't know if I like podcasting on alcohol as much anymore, no? I'm definitely only halfway through my beer and I'm still kind of tipsy. Right? Um, it's because I'm not as powerful as the corona. Mm. It's like I had this internal state before that was kind of dampened by the dark because I'm like, oh, I can't access these notes. And then I got into the corona state and then it started going over. And at first it was like fun, but then it was like my brain isn't clicking to the other places. And then you become kind of overwhelmed by the moment as opposed to like floating through it. Yeah, it, the, the alcohol buzz feels good in the body, but the flow of it kind of takes over so that you're not in control of the flow anymore. Yeah, 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 you're yeah. You're no longer the master of your own flow. And you need to be the master of your own flow well, you don't, but, like, it's nice to be that way when podcasting because you have a sense that you want to be nimble in your mind and, like, go to places that you have to talk about. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but 
the best place is to be in that natural role where it's just happening and no plans. You just got to be a legit fucker to do that. Pulatlo was a term that the Native American peoples used for the pre-dawn time. Because they would frequently, we frequently wake up at that time. If you're camping, you're much more likely to be awake during that hour. You're not indoors. The light is not shielded mm. from you from walls and curtains. Um, plus, they were probably like had a much more active and tuned in and decalcified pineal gland, which is light sensitive organ in our head that regulates sleep. And you were just feeling it then? Yeah, because I was, I was, at that time when I was feeling more power flowing through me, uh, I was big into like making my life as good as I could and doing everything that I could. I kind of had this belief that I could live the very best life and I didn't have to sacrifice it in any way. And I, and I realized that that was my favorite time of day. So of course I should be awake at that time of day. I should be up at that time of day. I can live my very best life and I don't have to sacrifice. Right. Yeah, that's powerful. Peel back layers of the onion. One does not have to manifest anything specifically in their lives to be in the best inner state that they can be. Are you flipping me off with your finger right there? What if I was doing that in my musk state? What if I was like, I'm not, I'm just like, have my arms crossed and my, my thumb is, my finger, my middle finger's out, but I rarely put my middle finger out. That's interesting what that you're if chilling I'm like, with your middle finger. Yeah, I, I rarely do that. Why am I doing that? I feel like maybe I am. Maybe my vibe got low enough with the corona that some other things got in. Yeah. And were able to, like, start moving and manipulating me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I hear so many, like, <clears throat> spiritualists talking about how they're into manifesting their lives the way that they want it to be and that they can make anything come into the life that they want. And they feel so powerful doing this and they encourage other people to do this. And I shouldn't speak ill against that because maybe that's exactly the, the the right thing for them but to me the more powerful thing is to figure out how to be honestly content internally regardless of whatever is manifesting in your life it's not about manifesting the external circumstances of your life it's about maintaining the internal circumstances of your spirit and your soul and your response to whatever bliss or catastrophe is going on outside of you. Wow, what an answer to me trying to find out how to get the ultimate vibe. The ultimate vibe is to just be content. Yeah, it's not a party. It's not, like, excited. It's just continuous. I thought I could just build up my goodness inside so that I wasn't affected by... Like laundry detergent and ketamine, like so that there was nothing that could come in and like disrupt me in any way. <clears throat> from chocolate to coffee, from glares to going inverted. Ultimately, we're being affected by the things in our world that we're interacting with. 
it's all one big karmic web. Everything is affecting everything else. The rumbling. <clears throat> and we will die. The things that we're interacting with will eventually kill us. The rumbling. As we listen to the rumble of the city and we unconsciously breathe in the petroleum fumes that are all around us. You cannot so avoid, loud. you cannot entirely avoid the things that make us a little bit ill. But what we can do is accept death and be content. Oh, yeah? And, it, you know, to some extent, Jesus, man. you can control the circumstances of your life. <laughs> My God. But maybe this is coming from, like, a tainted place, but I was trying pretty hard to control the circumstances of my life to make them what I wanted them to be. And I had found myself up on the top of a mountain in pure air and with, you know, spring water that had extra lithium in it. And it was, like, blue coming out. And um, But it all got ripped away from me. It all got taken away from me. And maybe that was just because I fucked up and got too crazy uh, and wasn't handling my shit. I don't know if that was the only thing that, you know, slapped me out of that. But frankly, I think it was more spiritually beneficial for me to have my vision of paradise nearly tasted and then taken away because I realized that I'm, I, I can't attain happiness through ordering the external circumstances around me to what I think is, is healthy and proper. Oh, I have to accept death and the quote-unquote imperfect things that are going to happen in and around me, to me, and learn to accept and let go of my need to control everything and have my life the way that I want it. It's a sacrifice. To, to be content in sacrifice. To be content in the sacrifice. Yeah, and accepting death is accepting one thing that is also the only guarantee in life. Exactly. And it's the one thing that's guaranteed and pretty much everybody's just ignoring thinking about that. They're just trying not to think about that all throughout their day, not to connect with that energy. To connect with the energy of death? Yeah. When people get upset, it's because they're getting hurt and when you get hurt it starts to remind you that you're mortal and that your body is fragile and can be damaged and permanently damaged sometimes and ultimately so damaged that the machine will cease to function and people don't like that that's when people get really upset that's when people get angry that's when their emotions all flare up if we start to really accept our mortality this is at the essence of spiritual growth. That's why gurus are always old men. They're not always old men, dude. Look at this Kaleshwar dude. Look at this guy. That's him when he was on it? That's him fully masterhood. What? He's like 24. Yeah. Sometimes like 12-year-old kids go into Samadhi. Did he have girlfriends? Uh, he, I don't know. I don't know that much about college war. I want to meet some chicks that are into gurus. Is that the alcohol talking? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just like... 
I was driving and there was a a gal with this city lights. She it uh, said Howl, like Howl, like yeah. the poem. Yeah. If you like city lights, the bookstore, the, the published all those places. It was like the bumper sticker, or it was a bumper sticker. Yeah. yeah. And coming up beside her, and she was like had a bob haircut, and was like bebopping and singing along to her tunes. It was in it. I, and it, like it reminded me, it made me. I, I like the. Uh, I like it when women are devout to. Like, poetry or devout to pop music, like devout to this kind of. This having fun in this way. Devout to singing along to songs in your car, and bebopping your bob haircut along this jubilant state. There's passion. That's what. Yeah. So I was like thinking of like, what are they when they're into these guru guys? Because you know they all gotta be fucking. Right? Isn't that happening all across all these scenes? There's definitely a lot of false gurus who end up having sexual relations with their various devotees. That's not like the mainstream path for it? I think if it's a real guru, he's pretty much going to be beyond sex. Hmm. And he probably, if it's a male guru and he's got female disciples, probably a lot of them will have sexual feelings for him. And his work is probably greatly hampered by that. And he's constantly trying to kind of quell them and get them back into a state of that purity and sacredness that's, that's lust free. <laughs> it's like a task he has to do to quell yeah. them yeah. and their lust for him yes, to get to so. this state of the, what'd you call it, purity? Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I've been on this tip that sexual energy is one of the fundamental pure energies it moving is. throughout life. It is. Baba says that lust is like the last thing to go. Even, oh, it's the last lingering. Even uh, musts, even high musts, will still be dealing with lust because it's kind of the last of like the illusion of the filth that they're still trying to scrub free of. They're still going to be dealing with lust. It's not like it's easy. It's not like it's common to reach a spiritual state where you're free of lust. That's extremely rare to conquer lust. And the reason that you like it so much that you want to celebrate this sexual energy that you observed in the bobbing girl who was singing along to the music and the howl yeah 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 is because that's one of the connections that ties us to the physical that's the thing that will get us to reincarnate again that's the thing that gets you to follow the sperm into the egg and become attached to that situation and take form again Right? I mean, it seems pretty good. Right. I mean, it's one of the best things that was ever created. That's part of the creation that draws us back again and again to physicality, to human form. Spirituality, <laughs> when you look at it from that end-all standpoint, is a weird thing. You know, it's much more simple for the Christians who just think that there's one lifetime 
and that the point of this life is to enjoy and when you're dead you're dead and you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell man how simple is that it gets so much more complicated <laughs> when you think about reincarnation if you if you're just trapped in a loop of having human life after human life after human life and eventually you become disillusioned because you realize that it's not real no matter how wonderful it is it's not real and all you crave for is the truth and to be released from the lies that is a way more difficult religion to deal with and I think that's why India and the Hindu nation has a higher spiritual vibe there there's a greater focus there of kind of tuning out that which is obvious aka our physical existence is obvious we cannot deny that we're physical that is like blatant and glaring to us but while we're physical what we forget is that we're also spiritual and that we have a soul and that there's something that exists that's much more subtle and much finer and the, what, if we believe the masters what they tell us is that that is the thing that is permanent and does not go away that is the eternal thing our physical form we know is limited we know we're going to die but the soul does not die and so to gain a greater interest and appreciation in things of the soul I don't think those souls be fucking in heaven I don't think that's what's going on. There's no sex in heaven? I don't think so, because it's not actually the best thing. We kind of have this living lie as we're humans and we're physical that sex is like the best thing. But it's not really. I don't know what is the best thing can't say that I understand that. Baba says that whatever like joy or bliss that we experience within our limited forms and within our limited like awareness is just like less than a tiny droplet of a shadow of what actual infinite bliss is. That there's some kind of ecstatic state that is so far beyond what we get to experience in this individualized droplet of consciousness than what we will experience when, when we're God, when we're unified with the infinite. Just think about that. It just seems like you'd still do it, though. You would be doing it... I mean, think about how many people right this moment are having orgasms on the planet. You would be all of those people, and you'd also be all of the people who are dying at the same time. And to you, all of it would be transmuted into bliss transmuted it makes the sex seem rather trivial yeah yeah totally I feel that it, it does seem trivial but it seems like you'd still do it like a throwback uh, you would you would you would do it a million times every second you would do oh it, yeah right, we're doing it right, right now yeah yeah <laughs> <clears throat> But you wouldn't need to do it with your individualized form if you happened to be a master who was God-realized and still human at the same time. You know what, though? The gods 
when the humans came around, they saw that the humans were fair. The gods came down and hooked up with the human ladies. According the human, to some Greek religion or something? Some uh, Roman? That's Greek, that's Roman, that's like a Jewish, that's Christian. I don't, when, how is that Christian? That's how the whole shebang started. Do tell. I, I learned this on Canadian Conspiracy Radio with Spaceman. <laughs> but for real though, uh, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden and Eve gets tempted and the, uh, she gets tempted by the snake and the, what it was is she hooked tempted up. Tempted to eat an apple. Yeah, the, the apple's not actually in the Bible. There's no reference to an apple. What it is is she hooked up with this tall, dark stranger, Satan, and then she hooked up with Adam and she had a, she had twins. She had, her eggs were, she had two eggs fertilized by different men and then came out Cain and Abel. And Cain was half beast, was half reptilian, was half devil. Along the way, other angels came down and fucked humans as well. So Satan was the angel who came down and had intercourse? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and then Cain killed Abel, so that was going to be just the end of it. But then uh, Eve and Adam had sex again, and they had Seth. Seth was the name of, of like, a, a replacement or a gift. And so then Seth continued, and that is what, like, bred this kind of struggle between this Satan reptilian folk lineage and then the, like, full non-reptilian people interesting how there's some discrepancies in the mythologies of various religions and this like creates different sects and things because two different people can be christian consider themselves to be christians but they have different sort of ideas about the details of the stories and things that happened okay yeah yeah i don't know if every christian believes what you're saying that's coming from some canadian conspiracy spaceman <laughs> most christians are thinking about an apple that eve was tempted by I'm, and I'm not saying that one's right or one's wrong, but, um, you know, the as I'm remembering, and I'm going to totally butcher this, but I'm remembering the story of Satan that I heard from my growing up as a Mormon. <clears throat> I believe they think something to the effect of God wanted humans to come down and have their, like, separate experience on Earth away from God. And Satan was like, mm, no, they should just be able to be in heaven. Like, everybody should just be in heaven. Why does, why does there have to be some people in heaven and some people go to hell? That's what Satan wanted. And God was like, oh, you're banished. <laughs> and Satan got kicked out of heaven when he defied God's wisdom to know that there needed to be this division. What a raw deal. Yeah, that seems fucked to me. It's totally fucked. But I remember learning about this and being like, what? That's kind of confusing. The gods definitely come down, though, and hook up with Earth Earthlings. The gods? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I gotta wonder, this whole notion of, like, demons and, like, spiritual entities that are kind of bigger and more powerful than an individual human but at the same time totally separate from God. This is interesting to me. I don't know if I believe in it or not. I think 
potentially that those things exist. I wonder if cosmically those are the stars. I often hear about um, like angels and and I don't know, maybe demons too. I don't know. I don't know if I believe in demons, but what were you saying though, that we, we need to talk about demons so that we transmute their energy? Oh, what, yeah, what I was texting to you. Now, I was reading in the Kaleshwar book, and he was talking about how you have to engage with the negative energies in order to heal and transmute them. Oh, that's how you started the conversation? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so as, because we were talking the other night about you listening to this podcast and how I couldn't listen to the podcast because I was like, ah, it's too negative for me. I don't want to... I don't want to think about demons and antichrists. Like, why do I want to fill my head with that kind of mythology? Yeah, yeah. You're, you've got that balance. You've got that bringing in white light and dark light and letting them dance together. That's Gemini, brother. And so... Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you can do that. You can engage with that dark energy and see it as light. And that's healing. Realizing that Eve hooked up with Satan and Adam made me feel so good about wanting to be friends with demons because they're your brothers and sisters like it's all co-mingled at this point you say that to a person who has a long-standing feud with his brother who hates his guts (laughs) (laughs) that's such a great figure of speech to hate someone's guts right makes you feel it in the pit of your stomach (sighs) i think of the stars in heaven like the little the actual you know the suns the burning balls of plasma up there as being conscious entities that are huge and profound and powerful and like just wrapped in bliss but at the same time they probably yearn to be human they probably wish that they could have a human experience and they never will and they're kind of close to being in heaven or they even are in heaven already but being in heaven is not as good as being human because when you're human you have the opportunity to become god and god is all of the sons at the same time and everything else what a burn (laughs) what a burn that's why they come down and hook up with us. That's why we're part stardust. We're kind of all stardust. Yeah, maybe they have some kind of like mimicry, mime type. They have like a clone. They have a spiritual doppelganger that is a star somewhere that grounds it in physical reality, but it also has a spirit consciousness that can come and observe and see what's going on and kind of intervene and play a bit with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think people get confused. They think that it's a demon, but it's actually a ghost. I definitely believe in ghosts. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And what's the difference then between a demon and a ghost? I, I would imagine a demon to be this like highly powerful and evolved or heightened spiritual energy, but that also like vibrates on evil. It's like mm. someone who's ascended into evil somehow. Yeah, and just, like, yeah. Wants to create negative 
and painful experiences and like torture people they resonate on it it's like that's what they know and that's what they're into i am the demon there is no demon worse than me in my mind <laughs> i am the one who's creating all of my problems there's yeah, no external yeah. force that's coming and trying to impose negativity on me yeah. and whatever the universe does to that's because you have it in you dude you got that cane you got that able all the blood's been mixed up. You're part lizard. I don't think there's anything worse than humans. <laughs> and at the same time, we have the potential to be the best. And the miraculous thing is that it's not a matter of like whether you get admitted into heaven or not. It's a matter of when will you be admitted to heaven? Because you're going to just be human again and again and again and again until you stop being greedy and lowly. I like that we get so many tries. Yeah, we get endless tries. There's going to be so many different permutations and variations of civilization then as we destroy this one and get to the next one. So many different realms for you to be human on and with. Mm -hmm. like circumstances mm -hmm. but we'll probably still be running everything through the same filter of the greed and the fear <laughs> it's so simple too to get it right but the instructions they're like 12 instructions <laughs> yeah but it's it, pretty clear but it's remark you could have one instruction and it would be remarkably difficult to follow it to the T it's not that easy not that easy to do something even if it's simple yeah you're right it is like it could be so simple but we make it so difficult so i don't mean to sidetrack but and i'd have to do a, a bit more research to confirm this but my understanding is that humans have been evolved into the present form of like modern day man versus like cro-magnon man for about three hundred thousand years does that sound right to you that sounds right to me so how many lifetimes is that? That's oh, yeah. Three, yeah. roughly like 300,000 lifetimes if you were there at the beginning of that and you've been here the whole time. <laughs> that person just can't get it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think there's any way that's been there?